Hello and welcome to Helpline on Feed, Play, Love, where I'm joined by Mothercraft nurse and expert Chris Minogue, finally in studio. If you're listening to us via the podcast, Chris is sitting next to me. Hello, Chris. Hi. We were being a bit naughty because we're not used to having people in studio. We were having a little chat and a little giggle before we started. So apologies for that. (laughs) Serious business helpline, especially if you have a small child and you've had trouble with sleeping, feeding, behavior, any of that, you can now jump online and ask Chris Minogue your questions. She's had over 30 years experience. So the way you can ask your questions today is if you're joining us live via Facebook, you can pop your questions below in the comment section. If you're listening via the podcast, you can send a question to helpline at theparentbrand.com.au. We will start with a question from Karen who says, my daughter is two and a half and is clearly interested in toilet training. We just can't take get her to take her nappy off. She clearly understands the toilet training process as she makes her dolly do all the steps and can verbalize everything. She's very interested in coming to the toilet with us and reading books about the potty. She pretends to use toilet paper. She pretends to flush. She washes her hands. She do, she washes watches everything I do very intently, but she's scared to death of having her nappy off. So we're not having any luck at all getting her to sit on the potty. Any tips on what to do next? We've tried bribing her with food <laughs> rewards, but we're not sure if that's the right approach. And that's from Karen. I think everybody tries that at one point is to bribe them, bribery and corruption. I think she just hasn't connected the two things together, the actual act of sitting on the toilet and reading the book. So I don't often get them to read a book about the potty because I think it does create this confusion. I actually think they're better off showing them. So I would go back a step and just try and toilet time her before the bath. So stop talking about toileting as such because you know she's got all those cues in the right place and just ask her when she's when she's standing beside you while you're running the bath at night and you're undressing her and she's completely undressed then say let's sit on the toilet for a minute and try for a wee with no pressure whatsoever and then she can use the toilet paper and she can wash her hands so make sure you've got that soft toilet insert in it a nice soft one nothing that's going to catch on their legs and actually put the potty away because I think she thinks the potty is something that's in the story as opposed to something that she's going to do. So why don't we try toilet time in her just once a day, round bath time when she is naked, try and sit her up there on the toilet um, and see if once you get that connection, you can increase that to a couple of times a day and then go into your toilet training. So I use the toilet as opposed to a potty for that reason, so that they don't get confused and you can do it anywhere. So hopefully that might help. What are your thoughts on those little, I remember we had a little stepladder. Yeah, that they, could they still have it. They still yeah. have the little stepladder and you turn around and sit down and it sort of sits over the toilet frame. So they still have those and they work really well Yeah, because you can remove it if there's someone there and you can clean it really easily. So having their feet at the right height and, and having their feet on a firm base really helps as well. Yeah. Good luck, Karen. And our next question comes from Steph on Facebook. She says, hey, ladies, I have a question about my son. He'll be three years old in August. Lately, he's been having massive screaming tantrums before nap time and bedtime. I usually try for a nap around 1230 to one-ish. He used to have a two-hour nap. I usually get him to bed around 7 p.m. and he wakes in the morning just after six. Is this a sign to stop his nap? 
On the days he doesn't have a nap, however, he is super grumpy. So I'm lost at what to do. Steph, I think this is a real sign that he no longer needs that day sleep, but they that transition between having sleep and no sleep can be difficult. So what I usually do when you get to this point is I just accidentally put him in the car at one o'clock and just go for a 20 minute drive. And he just dozes across a 15 to 20 minute window. So he hasn't gone into a deep sleep, which makes him really grumpy or difficult to get down at night, but it's just enough to give him a little burst of energy to get him through the afternoon. So when I give him the 20 minute nap, I put him to bed at 7.30. So that might help the seven o'clock tantrum. Um, But once he's given the nap up completely, which I think won't take long, um, then I do put him to bed at seven. So let's try just this tiny little nap that'll ease him into no sleep at all. And then I think once he's had that for two weeks, he'll probably occasionally have a 20 minute nap, but not often. And you'll be able to put him to bed at seven and it'll probably decrease all those, you know, screaming matches that you have in with him. He mm-hmm. just doesn't want it anymore. Yeah. Good luck, Steph. I remember when it's so hard that, part, it is. that little phase. I think that's where... the saddest part when you tell yes. a parent, actually, they don't need their day sleep. The look on their face is like, really? Yeah, they're still cranky, but they just, they do get used to it. Yeah, they they do. And especially if you grade it down in that sort of nap phase into 20 minutes, that really helps them get through. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck with that one. And this question comes from Tessa. She says, in the past two months, my daughter has started being very physical with other children. She's two years and two months old. She will hit, push and scratch other children when seemingly unprovoked. Sometimes it's obvious that it's because another child has touched her toy or beaten her to the playground equipment she wants to play on, but other times there is no clear reason why. She even scratched her little three-year-old cousin who was trying to give her a hug. (laughs) We've been approached by the daycare centre as they've noticed it happening too and even had a complaint from another parent as my little girl had scratched her hard enough to leave a mark. We moved house around the the time this behaviour started and we're sure that this big change possibly has something to do with it. But what can we do to get her through this phase and learn not to be physical with other kids? Look, I think the first thing, Tessa, is to reassure you that nearly all children go through a phase where they hit, kick, bite or scratch. So she's not out of the norm of of what we would think she would be doing. But the other thing is that two to three year olds find regulation really hard you know, and how to regulate their feelings, their emotions. They find that really difficult. So the good thing is we know she does it. So that's a really good thing. So we're going to watch out for where she might do it and we're going to interrupt. So if you're playing with a little group of kids, you might just stand near her for a little bit. And as you see her getting a little, usually it's a little bit of anxiety, like I can't get myself on the swing. Somebody's got in the swing before me. Someone's touched something. You're going to interrupt that. So you could interrupt it with holding her hand and saying, stand with mummy while we wait for our turn for the swing. Uh, You could interrupt it by doing things like um, before you go to the cut to the, the playground, ask mummy if you need help might be another one because I think she's lashing out. And then when she goes to give her cousin a cuddle, a hug, I would stand by her and say, we're hugging with our gentle hands. So we're giving her a lot more time to make these transitions. I think that's where it comes from. I don't think it's about moving house completely because usually they adjust to something with a bit of warning. You move house, they can do that really 
incredibly well. So I think this is just part of her development as a two-year-old and it's just interrupting that process so that she can use other strategies when it's not going her way. And the daycare should be able to help you out with this because they now know she might do this and this is what they'll do. They'll distract her um, out of that behaviour close to another child until they can see her playing a little bit easily um, side by side with other kids. Yeah. This next question comes from Nita on Facebook. They say, hi, my 16-month-old's transition to one nap isn't going great. For a while, he's been refusing to do the afternoon nap, so we started giving him one nap. We stretch him for about four and a half to five hours from morning wake, which he seems to tolerate okay and goes down well for his nap, but is always up somewhere between one to one and a half hours, which makes the afternoon long and he's usually overtired for bedtime and harder to settle himself to sleep. What could I do? We've only transitioned to one nap about one and a half weeks ago and some days still had to do two because of him waking early. Hi, Nita. So with a 16-month-old, generally we just put them down at 12 o'clock. So we don't worry about the hours of time because I think he's going down too early and he's not having a proper sleep. So if he gets up at 6, for instance, and you're putting him down at 10.30, it's going to be far too early for him to do one nap. So as a 16-month-old, the earliest I'd put him down, especially as you're only transitioning now, so most start around the 14-month mark, um, I would probably put him down at 11.30 um, for about a week to 10 days and see if he can sleep till 2. And then from 2, he will go down somewhere between 7 and 7.30. But ideally for a 16-month-old, he goes down at 12 and gets up at two, and then he goes down between seven and 7.30. So a little week of putting him down at 11.30, 10 days of that, then putting him down at 12 should solve the problem. And if he wakes under the two hours, try some gentle resettling to get him back to sleep so that he can join them together. Okay. Good luck, Nita. Next question comes from Saffron. She says, hi, ladies, my four-month-old's daytime sleep has gone out the window this past month and I'm at a loss. He was a happy napper between, I like that happy napper, <laughs> zero to three months, but since then it's been all over the place. My older daughter was an amazing sleeper and napper and I'm following all the same rules I had for her general sleep routine, which was working up until now. He still sleeps in his bassinet for naps at nighttime, and we use sleeveless love to dream sleep suits because he has also start, just started to roll from his back to his tummy. He can't roll back though. So this has me a bit stressed out at nap, at nap times. He sleeps really well at night, usually only waking once to breastfeed. And we've had a couple of really long stretches lately till 6am. He usually has three naps in the day with one, with the last one being a fairly short nap. But lately, his nap time routines just aren't working. Some days, the first nap will be close to two hours. Other days, it's only 35 minutes. The second nap is sometimes the longer nap, usually one hour and a half. But then some days, it's short, 30 minutes. I do try to resettle him, but he gets very smiley and chatty and just isn't ready to go back to sleep. I can never predict whether his nap will be short or long, and it's also making it harder to know when to feed him. I try to make sure his awake time is between one and a half to two hours. I begin his bedtime routine around 7.38, but he usually doesn't settle properly till 9 p.m. I'm not sure what I should be doing to get his sleeps back to a good routine. 
Okay, so there's a lot going on in here. So, Saffron, around that four-month mark, we see babies being much more alert and awake. And often where people call this a regression, it's actually that we change what we're doing. So where he was sleeping for two hours, then say an hour and a half and then an hour, when he starts to wake and smiles at us, we go, oh, he must want to get up. So whereas I just say it's time for sleep and then maybe giving the signals about going back to sleep again. So remember at four months, really alert, really awake. Um, they're not sure how to put themselves back to sleep. They're looking for us to do it. So if you normally use a two-hour sleep in the morning, then an hour and a half and then an hour, you want to use those time frames to get him back to sleep. Uh, the second thing is, and the most significant thing for him, is that his arms are out and he's still in a bassinet. And there's not a lot of bassinets on the market, if any, unless he's very small, that with the baby's arms out, uh, they're not woken by the size of their bassinet. So the first thing is, if you feel it's time to take his arms out, you need to move him to a cot so he's got much more room around him. And that might help in getting him back in that sleep pattern. So resettling is needed. All babies between four months and about five and a half months need resettling. So you keep using your time frame that worked with your daughter and give him the ability to do it. So if he goes in, if you go in, he's smiling, just reassure him, time for sleep and back out of that room and see if he can um, start to self-settle. If he cries for a few minutes, go back in, try and help him go back to sleep and give yourself a good 20, 40 minutes to do that. Uh, move him to a cot, I think will work. And because the sleeps are all over the place at the moment, I think starting his bedtime routine at 7.38 is just too late for him. Um, so if his last sleep of the day, if he's up by four o'clock, um, then usually I would think that he would need to be in bed somewhere between 6.30 and 7. So I think that's why that um, it's blowing out at night and you can't get him to sleep till nine because he's far too overtired. So pair it back a little, bring it back a little bit using your hour and a half to two hour rule, two hours in the late afternoon and see if we can get him to bed a bit earlier at night where he can actually catch some of that sleep back up again while you're trying to fix the days. So there's a few things going on. Need some resettling. Use your time frames. Don't move your feeds around. Just use your normal feed times. Um, it's the sleep pattern that's changing for him. And if his arms are free of his swaddle, then he needs to be in a cot, not a bassinet, and see if those few things can help you out. Good luck, Saffron. This next question comes from Selma. She says, hi, everyone. I'm after some adv advice to get my 20-month-old daughter allowing her dad to help with things rather than always insisting mummy be her helper. When I'm not there and dad is her only option, she's fine with him helping her to get her dressed, eat her food, play games, etc. Though she does ask for me a lot. She doesn't usually melt down about it when she knows I'm not there. But if I'm <laughs> home, she's based, she basically wants nothing to do with him. She won't let him help with anything and doesn't even like to have a bedtime cuddle. She will cry, scream and get genuinely upset if we try to insist that dad take part in anything. We've been trying to roll, just roll with it, thinking it's a phase that will pass, but it seems to be getting worse as the months go on. My husband tries so very hard. He's a fun and active dad. He gets his home every afternoon for dinner, bath, bed routine and, and on weekends, but he's getting very frustrated and disheartened by it all. Sometimes he needs to walk away for some time out. 
what can we do? Okay, so again, some reassurance for you is that um, he definitely, oh, look, I think all kids do this and I think they do it all through their childhood where they prefer one parent over another for a multitude of reasons, but really common at this age, at this sort of 20 months old, she sort of knows where she fits in the family. She knows you're the mum and he's the dad and she's sort of exerting herself a little bit, which is really good. But what she needs to see from you is that you're acting as a set of parents. So if on any particular day you're both at home and your husband would like to give her her bath, so I'd only try one of those three things, like out of dinner bath bed, then you need to back them up. So let's try the bath just because it's a fun thing to do. So you might give her dinner and then you give her a verbal cue. Daddy's going to give you a bath tonight so that her expectation about what's going to happen is there. So then it comes to bath time and all hell breaks loose. So maybe daddy could have the bath running. Um, he undresses her at the bath because she's probably standing up now. We're throwing the toys in, line all the toys up on the bath, throwing the bath toys in. And when she really loses it, I think what you need to do is stand by and reassure her. So you might be at the door frame saying, mummy's here, but daddy's putting you in the bath tonight so that she sees you both there doing it together. So I think if she can see you doing it together and that we only just pick one activity and we get that one activity going, it will get better when you want to put more in, but it's so common in this age group. And I think it's about reassuring your husband that he's doing all the right things, not to get over hurt by it. It's not a feelings thing for her. Um, it's more about what she thinks is going to happen. So you could give the verbal cue, then you can support them doing it, maybe even do some baths together before he then takes over. And I think before you, before you realise it, she'll easily go between the two of you. This next question comes from Kelly with uh, a three-and-a-half-year-old. She says, my three-and-a-half-year-old has always been a great sleeper from birth in his cot and then transitioning with no trouble to his own bed all night. But for the past couple of months, he's been waking multiple times at night. Sometimes he's crying and we suspect he may be having nightmares. My hubby or I will go in to settle him and he drops back off to sleep fairly easily. But this can happen up to four or five times during the night. We were using a baby gate at first, but he soon realized he can climb that with ease. <laughs> Very smart. And he often quietly comes into our room and sleeps on the floor next to our bed. We don't even realize he's there till my husband gets up before 5 a.m. for work. This also wakes our son, and that's it for sleep for the night. He hasn't napped in about six months, though he sometimes falls asleep in the car or on the couch. This happens about once a week. His behaviour is also awful lately. Oh. He's rough with us and, and other kids, sometimes seems a bit hyper and just is not listening to us. I think it might be because he's overtired. Bedtime is 7.45pm. When we try to get him into bed earlier, he just gets up a million times. Is there anything we can do to get his nighttime sleeps back to normal? I think he's just really overtired more than anything if he's waking four or five times at night. That seems more like an overtired child. So... Um, I'd probably pair his going to bed back a little bit. So starting the routine at seven and having him in bed at 7.30. He's a three and a half year old. He doesn't know what the time is unless he's really clever. Um, but he doesn't know what the time is. He just knows the sequence of what's going to happen. And again, like the previous ones, really setting out clearly what's going to happen and talking to him might help. 
And then it's about the consistency of what happens overnight. So some people are really happy with, I've put a mattress at the bottom of my bed. I don't care if you come in, but you sleep on the mattress and don't wake us up. And eventually the child just gets sick of doing that and they stay in their bed or they mature enough. So they stay in their bed. So if that works for you as a family, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You don't have to fight all the fights. But if you really want him to stay in his bed, and stay there all night, I think first you've got to give him the message that that's what you're going to do. So the reasons he might have woken up a lot in the last month, especially is it's getting colder at night, is that he's cold. So, um, you know, making sure he's dressed appropriately, has a quilt on, you know, he's warm himself, um, that he's had an appropriate downtime. So he's had time with you. So not endless stories I think at three and a half they want to talk to you so one story two stories really short laying on his bed chatting about the day chatting about your day in reflection to him really helps them and then giving him a clear idea if you come into mummy and daddy's room we are going to take you back to your room and you might have to do this a few times if that's what you would like him to do so I think this one is about reassurance and consistency as opposed to many other things happening. And you're right, he is overtired. So his behaviour in the day is just, you know, you have to really take a few deep breaths. But I think understanding why they're awful and slowing those transitions down, don't rush him through his days, don't rush him through changes such as let's get in the car, put your shoes on, finish your breakfast. When they're rushed, he's going to really react to that. So you've got to give him a bit of time and patience during the day while you're correcting this behaviour at night but in all honesty I would just say to him if you get out of bed you can sleep on the floor and just get him sleeping better and then work out how to get him to sleep in his room Mm, that's good advice good luck with that Kelly this one comes from Krista on Facebook how long before bed should you give a bottle and how much of cow's milk my son is two and a half years used to self-settle now he relies on a bottle to go to sleep and asks for more two or three times after finishing how do I get him out of this this is a really tough one because he doesn't need a bottle at two and a half and so you it's very hard with a two and a half year old to rationalize taking a bottle off them so you can't say you can have a bottle now but you can't have a bottle later because they're two and a half they're like the negotiators of world peace so they will just stick at it until they get what they want in this case I would just take the bottle off him and I would warn him I'd say on Friday we're not having any more bottles you're a big boy now there's no more bottles because you're it's falling into a comforting self-comforting and also the more milk he takes in the less he's going to eat efficiently for you or effectively for you so this in this case it's just a matter of taking the bottle away and replacing it with maybe a small amount of milk like 50 mils in a cup, an open cup, not a sippy cup, um, while you're reading the story, but no milk outside of that because I think it actually unsettles their sleep at night at this age. So literally I'd say on Friday we're not going to have any more bottles. Um, so meanwhile I've collected all the spare bottles that hang around the house and I've got rid of them. And then on Friday I just say to him, no more bottles, that's our last bottle, and I take the bottle and I put it in the bin. 
And then you hang on tight. Yeah, because it could be a <laughs> roller coaster for 24 hours. But you've got to give him reassurance. You can give him other comfort toys he can take to bed with him, like a stuffed whatever. And he might want to take all the stuffed whatever's with him, but that's all right. Um, but I think in this case it's a matter of just taking the bottle away. I don't. I don't think you know, just hanging on to it is going to make a difference. I think this one is reassurance, different um, comfort toy and take the bottles away. Right. Good luck, Krista. Yeah. We're with you. Pick the weekend. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this uh, is possibly our last question. Let's see how we go. This is from Samira. She says, I'm hoping for some toilet training advice, please. My daughter is about to turn three next month and we started toilet training about a month ago. The first few days at home were great. No wee accidents at all. She went straight to using, using the toilet like a pro. But <laughs> it's been almost impossible when it comes to leaving the house. If we leave the house, we put undies or training pants on her and she will, without fail, we in them. Unlike at home, she doesn't make any indication that she needs to go, even when we ask her. We remind her and take her to the toilet while we're out, but she's still more than happy to wet her knickers. It's no problem at home, though. Poos are a whole different story. She just does them in her knickers both at home and when we're out. That's fun for a parent. Yeah. She's even done one straight on the floor while hiding behind the couch. I'm not un- I'm now unsure if she's really ready for this toilet training step. Should I push through now that we've started or go back to pull-ups and try again a little further down the track? And if we do stop for now, how long should I leave it to try again? Wow, this one's a, a tricky one because she's got the idea of doing a wee, but I think she's just doing it in the safety of home, but she hasn't got the full idea because she's still pooping, you know, and not knowing how to go to the toilet. So what I would do is toilet timing. So I would put um, her underwear on her during the day and I do gentle reminders about four times in the day. And over a couple of days, I'd really watch for when she's doing, wanting to do a poo. And then I would encourage her around that time to go and sit on the toilet. One trick of getting them to do the poo on the toilet is 20 minutes after breakfast and 20 minutes after dinner, you sit them on the toilet for five minutes, just reading a book. And sometimes their body will just do it. Okay. So that might get her the idea of how you do it. In When you go out at the moment, I'd probably put a pull up on her because I think she hasn't quite got the idea. And I think the more accidents she has, the less she's learning it because she's going to get stressed about having the accident. So I'd take a step back and I'd get a toilet training at home. I'd put the pull up on her. I would toilet time her in terms of let's try for a wee now. Let's go and sit on the toilet for, you know, a few minutes after breakfast and dinner and see if you get improvement in um, reducing the accidents and even when you're out, I'd still take her to the toilet, but I'd put the pull up on her. I'd try this for about a month and then I'd have another go at, you know, just wearing underwear and seeing if she can put the two things together. All right. I think we'll probably have to wrap up there. But Chris, thank you so much for coming in. Oh, and it's helping been lovely. If you didn't manage to get on to ask Chris your question, she is one of our experts at Babyology's Parent School. So you'll find links beneath this Facebook Live or if you're listening to the podcast in the podcast notes um, and you can book a one-on-one session with Chris and she'll help you (laughs) 
get through or whatever it is you need to get through. And if you, if it's not for you booking in a one-on-one consult, we will be back with another expert next week on Helpline. Chris, thanks again. Oh, it's been a pleasure. See you all later. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you. So if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.